Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Good morning. Welcome to South Valley. How are you guys doing today? All right. I love to hear that. I love to see that. Hey, another cool thing that uh, Marcus didn't get to mention about Renewed. This week, a local news station up in Fresno, two of them reached out to us because they heard about the work happening at our thrift store and the way that we're getting to bless the community. And so some of the ladies from Renewed, uh, they, they were interviewed for these two news stations on Wednesday. And so I wanted to say thanks to Paraline and the other ladies and all the volunteers over there. Thanks for making us famous over here at Lamore. We love you guys. You guys are doing an incredible job. And uh, thank you for those who volunteer, for those who give by, by donating items. It really is an incredible ministry. And that place is so clean. If you guys haven't been there yet, go check it out. Um, actually, I know Pastor Chris, our uh, worship pastor, he goes there all the time to buy books. He's like, I'm like their number one customer. Like he's, he's there all the time. And so check out the Renewed Thrift Store. If you have cool items you want to give away at times, you want them to be, you know, you want to, it blesses a family in need. And then whatever money, whatever profit is made off of that item, we give directly to Lamore Christian Aid. And so it has been an incredible ministry and I'm so grateful for it. Welcome to South Valley. My name is Ricky Hemi. Great to see you guys today. We are in a sermon series titled I Am, where we are exploring the seven I Am statements from the book of John. And what we're learning about these statements is that each I Am from Jesus is a statement of deity and it sheds light on how he is a fulfillment of something in the Old Testament. Every I am takes a motif from Judaism, often in the context of a miracle or a meal or, or some kind of major festival, and then Jesus reinterprets it for himself. Now, in review, these I am's are, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the door, I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection and the life, which is what we covered last week. I am the way, the truth and the life, which is our passage today, probably the most famous I am, and I am the true vine. Now, one thing I want you to know is that these two final statements were both said the last night of Jesus's life. Jesus was in Jerusalem where he knew the leaders had already conspired against him to have him killed. He knew that within hours he'd be arrested, he'd be beaten, he'd be mocked, he'd be crucified. He also knew that one of his closest friends, Peter, would deny him three times. And that another friend of his, Judas, would betray him and hand him over to the officials with a kiss. He knew that once he was captured, his followers would scatter and that doubt would begin to set in, that their hearts would be troubled. They'd begin to wonder, oh my goodness, did we mess up? Did we follow the right guy or are we following the wrong guy? We thought we were following the king that was promised in the Old Testament. And look now, he's in chains. Look now, he's on a cross. They, they're gonna, their hearts are going to be troubled. And when the, when the shepherd is, is struck, they all scatter and they're all wondering, oh my gosh, did we mess up? Although he told them over and over again throughout his ministry that he must die for the sins of the people, 
And, and that's prophesied in the Old Testament, although he said it over and over again, as soon as he began, to, it became clear that he was really leaving, everyone began to panic. Hopes were dashed, hearts were troubled. And so Jesus, what's so amazing about Jesus is that he sought to comfort his friends in his final hours. It should have been the opposite. His friends should have been comforting him but Jesus, knowing their troubles, knowing their concerns, knowing their anxiety, he sets his fears and his struggles aside and he ministers to his own and he loves them to the very end. And this is the context of today's I am. If you guys got, have your Bibles, go ahead and turn right now to John 14, starting in verse one. This is what it says. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. He knows they're stressed out. He knows they're anxious. He knows that he is about to leave them in a matter of hours. So don't be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I'll take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas spoke up and said, Lord, you guys have probably heard this guy Thomas before. Uh, what do we often call Thomas? Anybody remember? Doubting Thomas. All right, this guy, he asks a lot of questions and it kind of fires back on him. And, and, and I just gotta be honest, we're all a little bit like Thomas, if we're being real, right? You ever, you ever doubt? You ever have questions? We, we all are a little bit of like a doubting Thomas. He said, Lord, stop talking in riddles. We don't know where you're going. And we don't know the way, like, well, explain it to me. Where are you going? What's the way? Why are you leaving? I don't get it. Jesus has said it over and over again, but still he's stressed out. He's anxious. And so Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. That's our passage today. Let's pray and jump into it. God, I just lift up our service to you today and I just ask that we would be open to you. Some of us came in here with burdens that are heavy. Some of us came in here with struggles that we know we need to actually surrender to you, but we've been holding on to them. Some of us came in here today walking along a path that is really just a dead end and we need to embrace a new way a new path, a new road through a new door with a new ending, new destination. Wherever we're at, I pray that we would have ears that listen to you and a heart that responds to you, that we would be people who don't just hear the word, but do it. That when we hear you speak to us and call our name, that we would step out in faith to follow you. Bless this service, I pray in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Last Saturday, my son and I, we went down to Bakersfield to race BMX together. There was this big BMX state race and my wife was out of town for the weekend. So the kids and I were trying to figure out what to do with our time. And uh, we learned about this race on Tuesday. And so we decided, you know, pack up the easy up, get the ice chest, get some chairs, head down to Bakersfield and do this race. Now, I always go to the races with my son. I always bring him. He's been racing for about a year now. And I always bring a bike with me when I go to the races because Honestly, I'm just a little lazy. I just don't, I don't want to walk around. So I ride around on the bicycle and I follow him around. But this time he was begging me to, to finally sign up and do a race with him. 
And I didn't know if I really wanted to do it. Like I thought maybe, you know, if I'm, if I'm gonna do a race, I'll stick to a local race, not a big, you know, state race where hundreds of people are there. That's not my thing. But he kept asking me and asking me and asking me and asking me. And so we got there. I decided to buy a membership and sign up for this BMX race. And I just gotta tell you guys, it was clear when I arrived that I was totally in over my head. I pulled up with a trail bike. Everybody else has a BMX bike. I had an open-faced mountain bike helmet. And let me just tell you, nobody else was wearing one of those. And I was wearing jeans and a t-shirt. Okay, I pulled up to the line and everybody looked at me like, who is this guy? I'm like, Johnny, that's why I don't sign up for BMX, man. They're all judging me right now. But he was so happy I signed up for this race and I knew I was in over my head. But to my surprise, I actually did okay in my races. But one thing I didn't anticipate was how my time out on the track would actually help me coach John. John had been racing for a year now. It is something new that we started actually when we moved out here and he's doing a great job and he has a lot of fun. But, but for me to go around the course, to go around the track and actually learn the way, it actually helped me provide better pointers for my son. John, though, he also had a pretty good day of racing until the semifinals, okay? He won his heat race. He pulled up to the semifinals, ready to qualify for the main event, okay? He was super excited, one more race, and he was in the main. I'd already done a couple of my races, and I was surprised at how I did. And so as I'm pushing Johnny up to the line, I knew that the way to win this race was to get the inside on the first turn. I knew that's what it was. I knew how to win. And so as I'm pushing Johnny up to the line, I whisper one thing in his ear. I'm like, Johnny, protect the inside. Johnny, protect the inside. I knew that was the way to win. Well, when the gate dropped, Johnny had a great burst off of the gate and he takes off and it looks awesome. And then he starts drifting outside. And as he drifts outside, another kid dives in, runs him high. And uh, that was the end of his racing for the day. He didn't qualify for the main. And when Johnny pulled off the track, he went up to me and he's like, dad, I went the wrong way. I'm like, yeah, I know you did. You should listen to your dad. He's the best at BMX. Like, didn't you see him out there? Like, I told you what to do. You should have listened to me. He was so mad that he went the wrong way. So he's a competitor, all right? He doesn't like losing. And, and he's like, dad, I messed up. I went the wrong way. Can, can I please try again? Is there another, like, I want to try again. I'm like, unfortunately, buddy, you just learned this lesson. There's no redos in BMX. We'll come out and we'll race again another day. But it is what it is. And so those last words, protect the inside, have been ringing in John's ear for about a week now. It's been, it was a great learning moment for him. And although he was super bummed out to be headed home without a trophy, he was super jealous also of his dad because dad brought home third place. Yeah, so I got to rub that in his face. Yeah, mm -hmm. Here's the idea. Last words are lasting words. Oftentimes, the last thing that you say to a person is the most important thing that you say to a person. Your last words are typically your most important words. And so when I pushed Johnny up onto the line and whispered, protect the inside into his ear, those are the only words I wanted him to think about when he took off in his race. Well, Jesus today, in John chapter 14, 
He knows that his followers are about to embark on a race without his physical presence. Jesus is gonna go to a cross. He's gonna be buried in a tomb. He's gonna resurrect and he's going to ascend into heaven. And now they are left without his physical presence to guide them. What then are Jesus's last words? How is he gonna prepare them for this race, for this road, for this way? What did he want them to know? How would he set them up for success? Today, I wanna share with you three last words from Jesus. Number one is, Jesus is the only way to God. He's the only way to the Father. Jesus starts out by saying, I am the way. What is a way? Simply put, a way is how you get from point A to point B. A way is a path that leads from one destination to another. Now, finding our way today is pretty easy because all we do is tell Siri where we want to go and she takes us there. But prior to GPS, people actually had to inquire of the way. You know, excuse me, can you tell me how to get to the store? Or excuse me, what's the way to the bike track? What's the way up the mountain? Do you know the way home? Before GPS, we had to actually ask the way. And people who never traveled that way could never give you reliable directions because they had never been there before. You had to ask somebody who actually knew the way. Well, when Jesus says, I am the way, notice he says, the way. He uses the definite article here. He's he's not saying I am a way, but I am the way. And to make this even more clear, he says in verse six, just in case anyone's wondering, no one comes to the father except through me. And so what this means is that there is only one way to God. There is only one way to salvation. There is only one road into heaven. There is only one way to life. And it is through the person and work of Jesus Christ alone. He is the way. What this means is that good deeds are not the way. Religious rituals are not the way. Muhammad's not a way. Joseph Smith is not a way. Oprah is not a way. Gandhi's not a way. There are a lot of false ways out there. There are a lot of false saviors out there. Jesus alone is the way. And I know as I'm saying this, some of you in this room are kind of cringing just a little bit like, oh my gosh, that is a very exclusive statement. How could you be so intolerant? This is the 21st century. What do you mean there is only one way? This is one of those truths in Christianity that's very, very easy to understand, but sometimes hard to swallow. When you read the passage today, you already know what it means. I don't even need to explain it to you, but the reason we need to slow down and dissect it is because the reality is this is one of those challenging passages, especially in today's society that paints all kinds of different ways. And actually you could pave your own way and do your own thing and, and, and embrace your own truth. And all truth is, is, is truth, whatever you want. There's actually many ways, but Jesus is pushing against that and saying, no, there is only one way and I, I am it. Jesus is exclusively the way. 
because he did what no one else could do. He left heaven, his home. He's the the eternal son of God. He's not a created being. He is the I am. He is self-sufficient, self-sustaining, eternal. He left heaven, came to earth, lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death, went into the grave and then burst forth through resurrection and then ascended back into heaven, broke through the curtain into the presence of God where he intercedes forever on our behalf. Jesus is the only way because nobody else could do that. Nobody else has done that. Only Jesus has made the way. Only Jesus has opened up the door into the kingdom of God. So saying that Jesus is the way... It's not being intolerant. It's just giving good directions. If someone is trying to get somewhere, the worst thing you could do is point them the wrong way. Okay, so I'm still new out here. I've been out here for about a year and a half. If you need to know, you know, where something is, please don't ask me. I will point you in the wrong direction every time. But if you want to know somebody to ask in our church, there is a guy in our church. He goes to nine o'clock service. His name is Dan Gudgel. If you don't know Dan, you should get to know him. Dan Gudgel, if you need directions, okay, this is the guy to talk to because Dan Gudgel will tell you the fastest way to get there, when it was built, why it was built. And then he'll even tell you the weather predictions that that you'll experience right when you arrive, okay? That's Dan Gudgel. He is a man of directions. He knows, he knows where to send people because he's acquainted with this area. He could tell you the way. Here's the, here's the big idea. Giving good directions isn't being intolerant. It's just being plain nice. Although there is one way, one single way to God's home. What I want us to see today is that there are still many rooms. One way to God's home, but many rooms. Heaven is something that's described in many ways in the Bible. Sometimes heaven is described as a city. Sometimes heaven is described as a kingdom. Sometimes it's described as a paradise. In our passage today, heaven is described as a home. And what would happen in, in these days is that a father would, would his, his, his family would, would grow up and they'd get married and they'd have children and then he would add onto his home. And so a home would just grow from, it, it, they'd add on rooms and add on space and it would just grow and grow and grow as the family grew. That's a picture here. God has a home and he has abodes. He has places. He has home for you in his home. This is what Jesus says. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus, although there's only one way to God's home, there are many abodes in that home. There are many rooms. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and I'll take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. So while the road is narrow and the gate is small that leads to life, Those who enter and find their home with God will be beyond number. And so what this means for us is this, Christianity is exclusive in that there is only one way to salvation. There's one way. But Christianity is incredibly inclusive in that anyone can enter by the way. 
It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. You are invited. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your sin. It doesn't matter how broken things have been in your world. It doesn't matter what's been done to you. You can enter by the way. It is exclusive in that it's only through Jesus. It is inclusive in that the, the net is wide and anyone is welcome. Jesus is saying, in fact, to some of you today in this room, in this moment, Jesus is saying to you, come and follow me. I am the way. And so this begs a question. You see, when I preach, I don't want to just teach scripture so that we have, you know, head knowledge. I want to bring it home to our very lives to where we're asking hard questions of ourselves and responding the way God calls us to respond. And so here's a question only you can answer for, for yourself. Which way are you headed today? Where is your life going at the moment? Who are you becoming? Are you proud of the person that you see in the mirror? Are you confident in your salvation? Or maybe today, if you're being real, you would confess that you feel like you're probably on a dead end road. I want you to know there's no shame in being real about where you're at. You see, the first time I was real about where I was headed was when I was about 17 years old. It was my senior year of high school. I was about to graduate. I was super excited. And then I decided to do something really foolish. I, I decided to bring alcohol onto campus and, and to drink with my friends. And when I got caught, the principal pulled me aside and he said, hey, I hate to tell you this, but you're gonna be suspended. And because you have so many absences because of your truancy and your grades, being suspended means that you're no longer eligible to graduate high school. So when I heard that news, that was the first time I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, that's a really big deal. And I remember looking to sign up for um, adult school. So I'm looking around like, okay, how do I get a GED or how do I go back and get a high school diploma? And I'm seeing all my friends getting ready to graduate and go off to college and do all these fun things. And I'm going back to school to get a GED, I'm like, what? That was the first time in my life where I finally slowed down and looked at the real person in the mirror, looked at myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, Ricky, where are you going? Where are you headed with your life? You've made excuse after excuse after excuse. You do the same things on repeat and you expect different outcomes. Where in the world are you headed? Which way are you going? What are you even doing with your life? That was the moment, that moment at 17 years old that I realized, oh my gosh, I need a savior. And I called out upon Jesus and I said, Jesus, I am lost. I am headed the wrong way. I am on a dead end road. And Jesus responded by pulling me off of that road and plucking me on the way. And my life was flipped upside down in that moment. And I've never looked back ever since. That's what Jesus does when he pulls you on the way. So are you headed the wrong way? Be real with yourself this morning. One of the most challenging things about the world we live in today is that you can no longer tell people they are headed the wrong way because it's offensive. But I'm here to tell you that there actually is a right way and a wrong way. 
And you don't need to wait until the end of the race, once the race is over, to finally realize it because Jesus right here, right now is whispering in your ear, I am the way. He's not just the way, he's also the truth. Point number two, Jesus is the only truth from God. I am the way and the truth. One thing I realized this week is that way, truth, and life are all interconnected realities. They, they are inseparable, okay? A person can only access the way by receiving and obeying the truth, and someone can only have life if they are on the way. To say it differently, you cannot enter the way apart from hearing the truth, and you cannot have life without Jesus making a way. Now, when I say that Jesus is the only truth from God, what I mean is that all truth originates in Christ. God is ultimately the source of all reality. He is the source of right and wrong, true and false. That's what truth is. Truth, just simply put, and I have to include this because we live in a crazy time when it comes to this T word, truth. Truth is the way things really are. That's all it is, very simple. That's truth, the way things really are. Jesus is truth. He isn't just a word about God. He is actually the word of God, the author of life and all truth. And this again is another very hard pill for people to swallow. Some of you are in college uh, in this room today. Any, anybody in college right now or are heading to college here pretty soon? Okay, when you go to college, the first thing you're gonna see, I remember this when I was in philosophy class, when I went to college. I did graduate high school, by the way. I, I, I checked that off my list and I went to college. Um, and uh, yeah, I went to lots of college, but... I remember in philosophy class, everybody attacking me because I proclaimed capital T truth. We live in a day and age where if you want to proclaim truth, odds are you might get picked on for it. You might get called out for it. You are, might get into some battles for it. We live in a day where, where proclaiming truth actually creates, gets some of the most toxic responses from people you could possibly imagine. But if Jesus is truth and all truth comes from God, this means that there are actually absolutes in this world. There are things that are objectively true or false, right or wrong, fact or fiction. And this seems simple enough on the surface, but we live in a time that completely rejects reality. And if you are bold enough to speak against some of these false realities, then you will be called intolerant. You will be called a bigot. People will seek to maybe fire you or cancel you. Those are some of the things that you might face if you want to share truth. I don't think it's a stretch to say that we have lost sight of truth. Would you agree? I know this is a hard topic to talk about today, but I believe this is so important because I believe the only way to bring people back to truth is not to shove it down their throat, not to return insult with insult, but to call them to Jesus. Jesus is the only way to bring people back to truth. 
Because apart from Christ, truth will not prevail. Our minds are so depraved that we will continue to invent new lies and new forms of of immorality. Without Jesus, generation after generation will only be pulled further and further and further from the truth. And the saddest part of all of this is how it affects our youth, how it affects our young people. And looking out at this service right now, we have a lot of young people. 1045 service is is our service where we see a lot of young families and we see a, a lot of teenagers and so uh, let's just thank our, our teenagers and our students in the room today. We love you guys and we're grateful that you're here. But here's what breaks my heart about this topic. The young people in our homes, the young people in our church, the young people in our community, they are growing up in a world that has thrust them into a truth war. And the problem is that Although some people care about coming alongside them and helping them and ushering them and shepherding them and and fighting for truth with them, other people, other churches just write off young people and make no effort to actually help anybody. They'll, they'll, They'll... make fun of young people. They'll call them names. They'll say, man, they're soft or uh, I can't, you know, they, they just go after them instead of actually ushering them into truth and coming. We wanna be a church that loves young people and comes alongside them knowing that they have been thrust into a truth war. And it is very hard to determine right and wrong, true or false, fact or fiction in the world that they're growing up in today. Many young people, as they live their lives, it's like they're living like this isolated and alone and forced on the daily to choose one of two paths. Do I go in the direction of the world and what celebrities are saying and what's popular on social media and what's popular on Netflix? Do I go that way? And, and you, know, you know, like the, those are people I, you know, I like some of those people. Do I go that way and embrace the world and do the things the world's way or maybe create my own truth? Or, or do I go, you know, the, the way of Jesus? And do I receive his word in my life? And do I trust his truth? And do I trust that maybe my feelings aren't right all the time? And maybe there is something called absolute truth. And maybe, maybe I am wrong, or maybe my friends are wrong, or maybe that celebrity is wrong. And, and maybe, just maybe, the God who know, made me knows what's best for me. Which way do I go? And there are teenagers every single day who are forced to make this decision. And many times they're making this decision without the church because the church doesn't care. We need to be a church that ushers children and students through these decisions. I have two little kids growing up in my house that already as an elementary school kid, they are faced with these decisions. And oftentimes they are gonna feel isolated and alone unless we come alongside them and show them that Jesus is the truth. And here's what I want you guys to know especially the young people in the room. Every time you reject Jesus's truth, to follow the world's truth, you're gonna find out that the world every single time will overpromise and underdeliver. They will never love you like they say they're gonna love you. They will never be there for you like they say they're gonna be there for you. When you get addicted to drugs, where'd everyone go? You find yourself behind bars, where'd everyone go? That boy that said he was gonna love you, all of a sudden you're pregnant by accident and then he's gone. Where did he go? Your friends, when it gets tough, 
Where'd they go? You, we, all your partying money runs out. Where'd everyone go? You see the world, it looks like they're gonna love you. It looks like they're gonna embrace you, but they're going to use you and abuse you. And they're not going to care about the destruction that comes in your life. They will not show up. You will be alone. You will be isolated. Jesus though is not like the world. Because when he calls you to embrace truth, he says, I'm gonna walk there with you. I'm gonna be by your side. I'm gonna give you my Holy Spirit to guide you in all truth. And I'm gonna give you a church body that loves you and listens to you and actually cares about you. They don't just make fun of young people. They actually love young people. I'm going to love you. Jesus, in his farewell discourse, he says these words, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus will love you to the end. The world will use you and abuse you. And I'm just saying this from experience. I've been a pastor for about 15 years now. I served in junior high ministry, high school ministry, young adult ministry, small groups. I was a family pastor. I was an executive pastor. And now I serve as a lead pastor today. I'm just gonna tell you, I've heard this story on repeat over all these years of people coming into my office and saying, I thought that it was going to be one way and it actually didn't work. I thought people would accept me. I thought this would work out but it actually led to destruction and heartache and pain. And what I want you to know today is that Jesus sees it. Jesus is against it. He wants to fight anything that would use you or abuse you. And he wants to welcome you with open arms and say, come and follow me. I am the way, I am the truth. And I will never leave you to fend for yourself because I have your back. His truth doesn't hold you back. It sets you free. He says, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so you're gonna be tempted to think that maybe following Jesus means giving up freedom, but it actually is the path to true and lasting freedom. His truth doesn't hurt you, it helps you. It doesn't constrain you, it frees you. Which leads to the final point. Jesus is the only life in God. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. This I am is a culmination of many unfolding ideas in the book of John. Jesus has already been revealed as the giver of life in numerous ways. Materially, he gives life to water by turning it to wine. Spiritually, he gives life, the life of new birth to Nicodemus and the soul satisfying life of living water to the woman at the well. Physically, he imparts life to a dying boy and a, a paralytic and a man born blind. He's also the good shepherd who has come to provide the abundant life for his sheep. And he promises the indestructible life of resurrection as demonstrated last week through Lazarus. And now today he promises eternal life. The Greek term he uses for life is this term zoe. Zoe is different from another Greek term, bios. Bios is where we get the, you know, the word biology, which is the study of life. Zoe is different because this word almost always refers to supernatural spiritual life. 
It's the word Jesus used, for instance, when he said, uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life, zoe. And so although Jesus is concerned about your life now, he's also concerned about your life in the life to come. And so he's asking in these final moments with his disciples and encouraging them and and forcing them to look in the mirror and, and ask this question. I'm hoping you ask yourself this question today. Do you have life? The life Jesus promises, it's not just a future life, but life now. Life that will help you in your marriage. Life that will help you in your parenting. Life that will help you face the demons of your past and heal from the things that have hurt you. Life that will empower you to live with joy even in the face of suffering. Life that takes you off of one path and sets you on a new path, a greater path, a more fulfilling path, a path that is accompanied by the presence of God. Because although Jesus was leaving, in the context of this passage, we learn that he wasn't leaving anyone as orphans. He was sending someone in his place to walk alongside his disciples. This someone is called the Holy Spirit. And he said, although I'm gonna leave, it's good that I leave. You're gonna feel like you're going through this race alone. But when I ascend into heaven, I'm going to send someone in my place. His name is the Holy Spirit. And when you believe in me and you have life in my name, the Spirit of God will come into your heart and he will quicken you and awaken you and make you alive so that you have strength and you have hope and you have joy and everything you need in this life now. And then he will also usher you into the life to come because he seals you and promises eternal life through me. Do you have life? The question though for us now, is how do you receive this life? Well, Jesus says it very plainly. You just gotta believe. Believe in God. Believe also in me. The Greek word here for believe is the the same word as faith. Belief and life, faith and life are like railroad tracks that exist side by side. It's the way believing in Christ and having life in Christ are totally inseparable. And here's why this is great news. This great news about this statement, I am the way, it's, it's, it's amazing news because now we know we are not left guessing. How can I be saved? What must I do? How can I get there? How could I change? How could I get off this dead end road? We have a crystal clear answer. Jesus is the way to salvation. The way to God is not a maze you must navigate. The way to God is not a mountain you must climb. The way to God is not a test you must pass or an ocean you must swim across. The way to God can't be obtained by your parents. The way to God can't be obtained by the country you live in or the church that you attend. The way to God is a person and his name is Jesus Christ. And the line into the kingdom is single file because it all depends on you and your relationship with Jesus Christ. He has done it all. He has died in your place. He has broken through the curtain into the heavens in the presence of God. He has made a way. And all you gotta do to receive that way and to be changed by that way is to believe on the name of Jesus Christ. Three ways to apply today's message. Number one is belief. And when I say believe, I mean believe for the first time. 
I know that there are people in this room today who have never genuinely taken that step of belief. You've relied on false ways. Maybe you were pulled into a false way. Maybe you relate to that picture that I showed you on the screen of trying to choose between the right way and the wrong way. And as if when you look in the mirror, you chose the wrong way. Maybe you were like me. You didn't care about the right way. You just wanted to do things your own way until you realized like, oh my gosh, I'm making a mess out of my life. And I'm doing the same things over and over again and I'm stuck and I'm addicted and I can't change. I need a way to get off of this road and onto a new road. Believe today in the name of Jesus Christ. And we're gonna give you a chance in the middle of this song, but I want you to just pray about it and think about it right now. And in the middle of the song, I'm gonna come back up and I'm gonna invite you to receive Jesus today and to go off of one way and to embrace a new way. The second way you can respond, deepen your belief. What I mean by deepen your belief is maybe you do believe, but if you're being honest, you've been stagnant on the way for a long time. You know, worship is something you kind of do here or there. Serving is something maybe you never do. Reading your Bible is something you maybe never do. Uh, You know, you're not plugged into a small group. You you just kind of just, you kind of just stuck where you're at. Well, maybe today you need to take a step of faith. Sign up to get in a group. Sign up to serve. Help us with Valentine's Day event, Happy Hearts. Uh, Maybe maybe you need to help as an usher or a greeter, or, or maybe you just need to take on the Bible reading plan or the scripture memory plan or whatever to deepen your belief so that you are not stagnant, you are growing and walking close to Jesus along the way. And finally, number three, share your belief. Some of you do believe, some of you are serving and giving and and, and you're, you know, you're, you're being sacrificial with your time and your resources to further the mission of the church. Um, but maybe you struggle in this area of actually opening your mouth to talk to others about Jesus. I want you to know Jesus wants to use you to proclaim the way. And you may not feel like you always have the words to say, but you have the Holy Spirit in your heart. You have a testimony of new life. All you need to do is open your mouth, look at the eight to 15 people in your oikos that you do life with and start praying over their names, start inviting them, start looking for opportunities to reach out to them and share your belief, invite them to the way. Jesus Christ. Believe, deepen your belief, share your belief. How do you need to respond today? I'm gonna give you a chance during the song to think about that, pray about that, and then I'm gonna come back up in a moment to invite you if you'd like to receive Jesus for the first time to come and pray with us. Let's pray. Father God, I wanna thank you so much for a chance to unpack a really magnificent passage in scripture. Jesus, I thank you for loving us to the end. I thank you for the fact that even though uh, there are times in your ministry that, that you should have been the one getting support from your friends, you continue to lay yourself aside to serve us. And in this life, there are days that we doubt you and are angry with you when, when really we should be grateful. We should be thankful. We should see all the good things that you do. You sh- we should see all the ways that you've already shown up. And so I just pray today that you would readjust our gaze, that we would look solely to you, that we would be a people who walk along the way. And as we're walking, as we're traveling, that we would bring others along with us, young, old, it doesn't matter what stage of life they're in, all different ethnicities, all different backgrounds, all 
people who are struggling, people who have been in and out of jail, people who have been addicted, people who have made very bad decisions, people who are just lost because they're trapped by money or they're trapped by stuff or they're trapped by wanting to, to stand out with their status. Wherever we are, I pray that this would be a church that everybody is welcome to walk along the way. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.